This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Rachel Turner, and this is our special Halloween episode where we pull from past podcasts all of the segments that relate to Halloween and put it in one neat, tidy package for you. This month, we do have more new content coming up about Halloween on this month's Facebook Live that you can access through our Facebook page, where we will be talking about the concepts of evil and the occult and how you talk about that with under fives and five to elevens and teens and older adults. There's more on the podcasts that are coming up. And the website also has more about helping our kids through being scared of the dark and what different people's Halloweens look like, including mine. But this special episode pulls together last year's podcast segments about Halloween. So this episode is going to talk about uh, how to decide for yourself what you think about Halloween and what it looks like for you and your family. The second segment is talking about how to match your Halloween to your family's personality. The third segment is going to be about the movie Coco and how to engage with movies that deal with the afterlife or ghosts or what happens after death and and how we can engage with that, should we engage with that, that whole debate. And the last segment is about comfort in the darkness and how do we help our kids find God in the dark. Uh, it's a really interesting concept and I also include a little mini chapter, mini story from the book Comfort in the Darkness as well just to get you thinking. So however you do your Halloween is up to you. And we're here to help you feel confident in how to coach your kids through it all. And hopefully this is a a starting point or just an encouragement to many of you. Bless you. We are talking about a big one. How in the world do we navigate all of the stuff the world throws at our kids, how do we choose what's right for them? And then how do we deal with it when other parents choose differently? So right now, the thing that's going around is the game Fortnite. I hear the debate all the time about that. But in a previous season, it was Harry Potter. And then it's what do we allow in church? And and I let my kid do this and someone else lets their kid do that. And what's the right answer? And, And then it's Halloween. And then it's Father Christmas. I'm not going to take one particular instance. I'm going to talk you through the sort of three-step process of uh, of what I think this looks like biblically, because we are not the first ones to struggle with this. Uh, the early church, in in all of the letters, well, in a lot of the letters, uh, they were we see that they were d- having all these sorts of debates about this, not about the Fortnite game that did not exist, but it was about. Uh, the people who were Jews and how they wanted to be Christians uh, and still have their Jewish flavor. And then the Gentiles who were never Jews in the first place. And then what they did with the Sabbath, because Jews were saying that the Sabbath is so important. You have to do the Sabbath. The Gentiles are like, we've never really had that before. So does it, does it look different? And do we need to eat kosher? And the Jews were like, yes, you do. And the Gentiles are like, I'm not sure. And then there was this whole thing about um, idols and they would, they would, people just in general would, give 
food to idols and then those that food would get sold on in the market. So then there was this raging debate about what kind of meat you ate. I mean, people were really, really, really intensely trying to figure out what was right for them and judging a lot of each other. For me, this is my approach and you'll see it in different ways. Um, for instance, in the Halloween thing, we have a whole article on how to figure out your own mind about Halloween. You'll see some of these values come out, but I just thought I'd address it sort of straight on. Um, so the first thing that I would suggest when something comes up like this, um, whether it's Fortnite or, oh, the movie Coco, that was another conversation piece because it was about the Day of the Dead. And it was about afterlife. And I know people on both sides who are very strong. Uh, the first thing I would suggest is Find out about it yourself, because I think often when we everything that we are perceiving is coming through somebody else's filter. And if I'm going to decide what's right for my kid, then it's got to come through my filter, really, because I'm the one that God put in the life of my kid. Uh, the second thing is consider what is healthy for your kid. We talk a lot in when we talk about food, we know what's healthy for our kids food wise, you know, we know calcium is important. Uh, we know that we want our kids to have a strong body, no pain, we want them to grow well, we make sure that we make choices that benefit them physically, so that they can be healthy physically. And I find that a really useful tool for me, um, when I'm making choices for my kid. And when we as parents make choices, because then we're asking what is spiritually healthy for our kids rather than what is the absolute right answer. I find that really, really difficult. And so when I was looking at First Corinthians 10, um, and he was sort of addressing this whole debate about things, and, and, and he was saying everything is permissible. This is uh, 1023 of First Corinthians. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Uh, nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. And then he goes on about being convinced in your own conscience about what it is. And I, I think when I'm looking at all these things that are out there for my kid, if we think of how can I assess this objectively as a good or bad thing, that gets really, really difficult. But if we can say, what is healthy for my kid? What is beneficial spiritually for my child? When... We're looking at physical health. We're looking at them having a strong body, no pain, growing well. Spiritually, we're looking at what what does my kid's heart and brain need so that they're drawn into a connection with God? How are their heart being positioned for love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control? That's what I want to grow in my kid is a connection with God, a, a soft heart towards others and all those fruits of the spirit. And so when I look at something, I hold it up and I say, okay, how is this beneficial or constructive to the spiritual health of my child? And that may be different from other people's kids because my kid's brain, heart, body is different and they have a different background and God's doing different things in them. And so my job isn't to try to decide what's right for everybody. My job as a parent is to decide what's right for my kid. So whatever comes up, I just ask myself that question. I mean, I know people who said no to Harry Potter because uh, it makes their kid afraid. Uh, biblically, they feel that's just not where they are. They feel like it's evil, that they, they don't want their kid to be in that. I know, on the other hand, people who've decided that they love Harry Potter for their kid. They love the gospel analogies in it. And uh, they love the conversation about good and evil and being powerful 
uh, with trying to face down something that's bigger. And they have great conversations. I know two people, two families who I deeply respect who decided totally different things for the spiritual health of their child. And both are bearing fruit in the spiritual life of their children. And then the third thing, first, decide for yourself. Two, decide what's spiritually healthy for your kid. And then three is be confident in a community of faith because we need to begin to ask, how can I support your choices in helping your kids spiritually? I was really reflecting on this because uh, my kid is uh, dairy-free. We had some stomach problems, and so we've discovered that dairy is something that is not helpful for my kid. And that is just not healthy for his body. So therefore, we've gone dairy-free. Now, I'm not trying to convince everybody in the whole world that dairy is wrong. I just know for my kid, dairy is not beneficial to his body. Maybe useful for your kid, not useful for mine. But what I love is existing in a community of people who, as soon as they hear that my kid is dairy-free, are like, oh, absolutely, they source biscuits for him. They tell me what biscuits are. Like, did you know British Oreos are dairy-free, but uh, American Oreos are not. Who knew? Well, I was told by a different church who had my kid with them, and they really helped me uh, do that. They they helped me help my kid physically to grow healthily. And we can be that for each other spiritually. We want to create a parenting community of people who say, right, this these Three kids are mine, and and God has placed them in my life to decide what's spiritually healthy for them. And this is what I think is right for my kids. You may decide differently. And therefore, when your kid's at my house, I will obey your thing because I want the best for the spiritual health of your child. And I want the best for the spiritual health of my child. And I want to bless you and listen to you and encourage you and help you. And I'd really like you to do the same for me. So that whether it's what we allow our kids on a Sunday morning, how we engage with Halloween, we can grow to be confident parents who are saying, this is what's right for our family. This is what's right for my particular kids because I'm interested in what's developing them next. And bless you and let us know how we can help as you spiritually parent your kids and see what's right for them. So whatever decision you're facing, decide for yourself, research it, watch it, think about it read more about it, but get in your own head how you feel about it. Two, ask yourself, what is healthy for my kids, the unique kids that I have? What is healthy for them spiritually? And three, know it will be different from other people's decisions, and that is okay. And you can just respect and support their decision while also being confident in yours. Whatever decision you're facing, I trust you with your kids, and so does God. talking to my friend Joe Squires the other day and uh, she said something interesting and it sort of got me thinking and I thought I'd share a bit with you. Uh, Joe Squires is a powerful uh, leader and she's a parent and she also found, founded big ministries. She works for Birmingham Diocese with families. She also uh, heads up uh, something huge at Youth for Christ and uh, she's a foster parent. She's amazing. And she was telling me about how her family approach Halloween. And uh, and if you've been looking at the Parenting for Faith website or following us on Facebook, which I would suggest you do, you would see loads of posts that we have about it. And, uh, and I've put up a whole post about how what I 
do for Halloween and how you can make your own decision. And there's loads of resources there for you. And uh, so I'm always intrigued about how other people sort of uh, do it. And she was saying that uh, her family is uh, a real passionate about outreach and, you know, and loving the community they're in. And so they sat down as a team, they call it, which I love. And they uh, decided, um, they wrestled with some, some ideas and the kids came up with a suggestion that they wanted to go around to different houses and uh, give away sweets rather than take sweets. And uh, and they put stickers that I think said love your neighbor on it. I'm not sure, Joe, if I'm wrong, let me know. Uh, and uh, and just went around just to, to love people and discovered this wonderful experience of, um, you know, old, some older generation who, who don't have a lot of community would come out and talk for a long time. And, and it really feeds into their big Christmas Eve party that they do. They do like a block party where they open up their doors and let anyone come in for Christmas Eve. And, uh, and it, it was just a really interesting, um, concept to me of, of letting the kids sort of find, um, a missional idea and then partnering with it to love your community. Um, and, uh, and we were talking about it and I, I was just intrigued because I think often as parents, we try to find what's the right thing to do at Halloween and at Parenting for Faith, we're really big on finding what is right for you at Halloween and right for your family. And I just um, loved uh, in the middle of all of our conversations, she said this. For team squatters, hospitality is part of who we are. That isn't to say that that is the case for everybody. Um, and I think, yes, be loving and be open. And yes, God calls us to look after the people who are homeless and all that sort of stuff but if that is not a gifting of yours as a family find out what your gifting is and do that and excel in that mm. so for us it's not just me and my husband who want to open our doors it's the whole all five of us and it's why we've become a foster family because as a family we decided we'd got space we'd got room we'd got love to give and there were children who needed it so they're in you know um and so, yeah, that, it's a kind of weird way of answering it. And I don't know what it would be for other people, but whatever is your gift as a family, and there will be something that unites you as a family, because that's how God's made it, I believe. Find out what that is and push into that and make that something that is part of your everyday. I think that's very freeing for people, because I think we yeah. we often hear families who, like, I'm an intense introvert, so the idea yeah. of of letting lots of people come into my house enormous amounts of time just makes me want to crawl in a ball yeah. in my pajamas uh, but that's not us as a family we yeah, have very specific that's things fine. that's really freeing because i think that means everyone's called to something different of course and, and that's why we're a body of christ you know yeah. we're not all big toes are we yeah we're all all sorts of bits of the body and yeah. so that's what's exciting i think and that if we all do the things that god has called us to do it will be an incredible body and an incredible mm. witness to the rest of the world yeah. i love that extra aspect of finding what you're gifted as a family to do. Uh, so often uh, when I think about what we do at at holidays, it's about, you know, what's right for the spiritual development of our kids and what fits with our values. And I just love that, that added element of what are we gifted as a family to do? Who are we gifted as a family to be? And, and making that part of the decision-making process. I found that a really unique and encouraging addition to that. And so as you uh, think about Halloween and find more resources and do reading on the website, um, have a conversation with your family or, or your partner or friends who know you well and say, what, what are we good at as a family? What, when you think of us, what, what do you think of? Because I think we are a little body of Christ within our families and we are different from all the other families. And, 
um, and we exist in a location. And so however we choose to to engage with, redeem, or or reject Halloween, I think there's an interesting conversation to be had about who we are as a family and and to um, think about what what is your power as or is your superpower as a family and how can it be used um, to love people and bring people closer to God because uh, he's called us to something great and our kids are a part of that and together we can uh, do things that we can't do on our own and that's a very valuable thing for our children to learn in any season. I don't tend to go down the route of talking about something specific, like a movie or a thing. I'd rather sort of equip you how to think about it for yourselves because you're wise and powerful people in the lives of your kids. Uh, But I thought uh, just for a moment, we'd discuss the movie Coco because it is uh, sort of one of many movies that comes out around Halloween. And I thought I'd get my friend Ellie's insight into this because she's quite wise and I appreciate her input. She always makes me think. Ellie is a parent. She is vastly experienced in youth and children's ministry, and she's the author of the book called Blended, a call to reimagine our church family, rethinking how we can be church together. So uh, I did a phone interview with her. Now, you may agree with us. You may disagree with us. You may like some things and think we're totally off the rails on other things. That's good because it doesn't really matter what we think. What matters is that we're poking you to figure out what you think. So uh, feel free to like, dislike, or uh, completely dismiss uh, what we're about to discuss. But I just thought I'd throw a movie on the table and uh, let you participate in a conversation around what it means for us as Christian parents. Uh, okay, so this is my friend Ellie. Ellie, could you introduce yourself to everybody? Hi, I'm Ellie. <laughs> Well, what do you want me to say? Do you want to say, do you want me to like just say hi? No, or do you want, tell you them a bit about know, yourself. It's so weird. It is so weird not being able to read your face. <laughs> this is bizarre. Um, this may be your last phone interview. Anyway, so <laughs> hi, I'm Ellie. I um I head up a kids and youth ministry in um, Romilly uh, for a church called St Chad's. I'm a mum of a gorgeous little miracle called Lucy. She turned three on Friday. Um, wife to um, my lovely hubby Paul and we have a house rabbit just to add to the craziness of our life. So uh, Ellie we are uh, welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. Thank you. Uh, You are welcome. Uh, We are talking about today uh, the movie Coco uh, but sort of in general what it what it is about uh, and what it brings up about the afterlife because the movie Coco, if you don't know, is a Pixar movie. So therefore it's going to be excellent because it's Pixar. And it is uh, a movie about essentially the day of the dead. The, 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 well, growing up in Southern California, I always knew it was the Mexican day of the dead. Um, But I think it it sort of extends more across Latin America, uh, which is a sort of celebration of your ancestors and those that are dead that have gone before you uh, and usually have a shrine to them. You pray for them and uh, they sort of get to come back, visit you. And so it's this story of this boy in wanting to honor his ancestors and find out his about his ancestors and magically somehow he gets sucked away into the afterlife in which he meets all of his relatives and their skeletons and he engages with them and he gets trapped and he can't get back unless he gets their blessing and it's a big adventure and it's sort of about him learning how to honor and love his ancestors and he eventually comes back to life. 
Yes. And I find it... summary. Thank you. Thank you. And I find it fascinating because initially when I looked at it, it was just a bunch of people. It was a bunch of skeletons and him dying and going and hanging out in the afterlife of skeletons. And I was like, nope, which is so sad because it's Pixar. So I was really sad. I was conflicted about it. And uh, this is my friend Ellie. And Ellie... uh, can see God in anything, which I absolutely adore and love. And so I was fascinated to think about what she thinks about, um, about these movies, sort of at this Halloween time, we have a lot of movies about ghosts and about afterlife and about all sorts of things. And how do we as parents sort of engage with that? Uh, or do we engage with that? Or as Christian parents, should we shut that down? Uh, so yeah. So Ellie, I have a question for you then. Go for it. Um, do you feel that movies about the afterlife that do not have a Christian theology of the afterlife, is that something that we as parents should avoid for the sake of clarity for our kids? Or is that something we should engage with? Or does it depend on the movie? I think um, I think it can definitely depend on the movie and it can depend on the kid um, and it can depend on their age. But I um, I come from the attitude that God is bigger than anything that could come against him or my family or my child or her faith. Um, And I want to be fearless in how I raise Lucy and the kids within the ministry I run to to be fearless too, Um, which means that sometimes I make choices to, I think expose would be the wrong word, but to introduce ideas that some people would rule out because I think actually our kids are sophisticated beings who can comprehend faith and God because he's real to them and also learn about other stuff. So I found Coco fascinating because I didn't know anything. Growing up in England, the Day of the Dead is just not a part of what we understand of um, a religious experience, I guess. It's not a religion... Um, or a um, a faith base that I'd been exposed to. So to watch this film, I learned a lot. Was unsure whether I would think I would want her to see Coco. Um, I think where she's at right now, lots of skeletons would be a little bit freaky. So I would pick for her not to watch it because of the visuals, but the content, the idea of using a story to learn about something that actually people believe in is really important. I want her to understand other people's perspectives. I want to grow her empathy. But I also want to grow her knowledge base of what other people believe. Because that's the best way she's going to love people that she meets by showing them the respect of knowing a little bit about their religion. That's fascinating. Because when I was watching it, I never once thought, oh, this is an interesting cultural exploration of a different religion. Not once. I, I love that that view that's something i i hadn't brought out uh and uh, uh that's a, a new insight for me i think so do you feel one so it sounds to me that one day you will be like yeah i think i think my kids ready for coco is that something that you think would would be Absolutely. part of your journey i think there is a big difference between being protected and being equipped so right now i would protect lucy from a vast number of things But as she gets older, I want to move from protecting her, especially protecting her by excluding her, and move towards equipping. So how can I equip her um, to watch a film that she's not ready for because she's at a friend's house 
or how can I equip her to meet someone face to face who's as passionate about their God as she is about her God. Um, actually, I love film. I love using those things, uh, which often are part of the we exclude it to protect. Um, actually, I think we can use it wisely to equip. I love hearing your view because you come at it so uh, thought out. My my approach was uh, <laughs> at first I was like, because uh, my kid, uh, we focus a lot on what you let in your brain. And and uh, and so he was like, I really want to watch it. And I'm like, I'm not sure. Um, sometimes because of the images, but more for me, it was the 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 alternative narrative of the afterlife. And my question was, have I laid out a good enough theological a basis for the understanding of the afterlife in his life that he can compare and contrast in a way that isn't confusing for him. Because essentially the, the, I know the day of the dead is more syncretic than this in terms of more, you know, sort of woven into, you know, the Catholic understanding of saints that have gone on before us. And so I, I know there's more nuance than this, but in essence, in the movie, the day of the dead was godless in terms of an afterlife that didn't in any way reference God. It was an afterlife minus God, um, which was a fascinating. And so that was the approach we took because I watched it and it's a really charming movie. And so <laughs> I was like, all right, you're of an age that, and I don't think it's pushing any fear buttons in you. And it hasn't, you know, there's, there hasn't been any nightmares or anything, but for me, it was, it was having the conversation of, is this what happens when we die? Um, because, you know, after if nobody remembers you, then you disappear forever. And is that important that we remember who died before us? And and do we owe anything to the people who are who are dead? And there's there was so much of this, the, this sort of conversation of our relationship between us and the people who died and what is their experience of the afterlife and who is God and all of that, that it, it opened up a really interesting conversation for us. Um but I didn't, don't think I even mentioned very much about the modern practice of the day of the dead. Uh, nighttime can be really stressful and uh, can create a lot of fear in our kids. And particularly now the, um, the nights are getting darker earlier and uh, we're about to just head into daylight savings time. And so it's going to get even darker faster. And, uh, and our kids can also start manifesting this fear of the dark because they're starting to go to bed when it's super dark outside. And uh, we can feel lost as parents and what to do about that. We, and we want an answer. Like, what is the what is the one thing I can do to just magically make it all go away? And so many of us default to nightlights and, um, you know, lights on in the hallways. And we just try to, you know, give them as much light to make them feel, you know, comfortable. But that sort of... Uh, takes away the problem of the dark. Dark becomes the problem, the thing to be afraid of. And uh, when we just add light to it, uh, it means that we're not really coaching our kids through how to be comfortable and confident in the dark. And one of the things, uh, as I was helping families through this and, and talking with families of all different shapes and sizes about this, the one thing that kept coming up, I think, was that kids often don't have a this is going to sound posh, but a theology of the night. Uh, 
because the big question often is, who is God, really, underneath all of the fear, is who is God in the night? And who is God when we're asleep? Um, because darkness and the nighttime sort of have become the opposite of God. You know, daytime and loveliness and wonderfulness, but then it's dark time and nighttime and we all get afraid and... And, you know, God is nowhere to be seen and we're just, you know, begging him to rescue us from the dark. And uh, and I'm not sure that was the design. And uh, so I began to do some research and I ended up writing a book about it called Comfort in the Darkness, which is a, a tool for parents to use with their children um, to create a theology of who God is in the night because God is wonderful and there are so many bible stories in scripture about what he is doing when it's dark um how he's providing for us and guarding over us and he is working on behalf of us and he is um giving us dreams about him and there's so many wonderful things so i created a book and i just wanted to read to you the first chapter i know well it's not a whole chapter it's a story um it's 16 bible stories that happen in the dark or have to do with sleep and dreams. And I just want to read the first to you because I think it sort of lays out the first foundation of a theology of God in the night. In the beginning was God. Before there was anything, there was God. And he was the same as he is now. Wonderful, kind, perfect, powerful, fair, loving, and wise. And he was planning Oh, the plans he was making. Oh, the wonders he was designing. They were beyond anything we could ever dream or imagine. He waited until the perfect time, the time that was just right. And then he spoke. The word of God can make all things happen. And with a few words, he began his great creation. Let there be light, God said. And light shone brightly, clear and vibrant. But God made a choice. God kept darkness too. He saved it and protected it. He could have gotten rid of it altogether, but there was something about darkness that was important and special. So he separated the light from the dark. He called the light day and the dark he called night. He had great plans for both. God's hands stretched out the universe and he called the stars into their places by name. He built the sky and created the sun and moon to give light to the earth. And with that gift, he gave us time in days, months, and years. This gift of time would bring a pattern to our lives with our days different from our nights. God looked at what he had made day and night, dark and light, moon and stars and sun, and he saw that it was good. Good because parts of his plans for the world, part of his purposes for his people, and part of the wonders that he was going to bring were going to happen in the night. And so for each of us, as the moon rises and darkness falls, we can expect wonderful things because God is in the nighttime too. And so that's the first story in a book of 16 stories about all of the stories that you know, and some you may not know of, of what God is doing and, and how, um, how he is present and working, uh, in, in the night. And I just wanted to encourage you that 
there are many things that you can do to help your kid um, when they're scared of the dark. Um, one of the things is create a theology of the night. And another thing is to, to give them equipping and tools of how they can maintain themselves and cope with fear biblically. And there's, there's loads of resources on our Parenting for Faith website if you want to delve into sort of practical tools that you can train your kids in for them to be able to maintain themselves and find God in the night. You just if you just go to the search bar at the top and type in scared of the dark, a whole bunch of videos will pop up. Um, but whether you're talking about who God is in the night or whether you're equipping your kid with specific skills and tools so they can um, find their own comfort and peace with God in the night, I would just encourage you um, to take the next step when your kids are afraid of the dark um, because God has so many things for them in the nighttime and you can help them find it. So there you go. Don't forget to access all the other content as it comes up. If you have any particular questions that you'd like answered, feel free to put them on the Facebook page or email us through the parentingforfaith.org website. We'd love to answer those in future podcasts for you. But in the meantime, may God bless you and may your family flourish in this season. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you. Music